we are assembled here today to pay final respects to our honored dead. And yet it should be noted that in the midst of our sorrow, this death takes place in the shadow of new life, the sunrise of a new world, a world that our beloved comrade gave his life to protect and nourish. He did not feel this sacrifice a vain or empty one, and we will not debate his profound wisdom at these proceedings. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Others. And welcome to this special episode of the Trek Geeks podcast, highlighting the life and times of Leonard Nimoy, who, of course, recently passed away this past Friday. Um, Dan and I sound a little bit under the weather. We've both been nursing colds and flu, so we apologize if we sound like we're uh, we're <laughs> we're sicker than dogs. But we thought it important to get together and, and share our memories, and, and hopefully, you all will will share some with us as well. Um, Speaking of which, uh, at this time, I'd like to bring in Dan. And um, Dan, I, we talked a little bit over the weekend. Um, where were you when you heard the news about Leonard? Yeah, it was, uh, well, first of all, thanks, Bill. It's good to be here. It's uh, one of those things where it doesn't really matter how sick we may be. It felt like something that we needed to do. Uh, we pushed off last week's podcast because we were both so under the weather. Um, but uh, I don't think it would have been uh, right to push off something today, especially given the magnitude of what happened. So, uh Glad to be here. Glad to be back on the on the airwaves with you. Um, it's kind it's kind of ironic what happened on Friday. Um, as we all know, we had been uh, following Twitter when Leonard was rushed to the hospital a week or so ago, and I hadn't really heard much in several days. People doing their well wishes here and there, which we saw uh, pretty much through that whole week. But uh, on Friday morning around eleven thirty, myself and a group of people from my team at work, we were out. Uh, we were walking out to uh, have lunch together, uh, um, and one of the guys said to me, he said, hey, Dan, have you heard any news on Leonard Nimoy lately? And I said, no, actually, I haven't. I'm, I'm thinking he's back home and resting comfortably because it's been very quiet for several days. And not even five minutes later, you texted me um, the headline from the New York Times, I believe it was. Yeah. And it the, the entire lunch was just everybody at the table. I told everybody at the table and, and nobody really had a good time at all for that lunch hour. I, I can't even imagine. I happened to be on Facebook at the time and a, a friend of mine happened to send me the link to the New York Times. Obviously knows I'm a big Star Trek fan and um, I 
I was in complete disbelief. I mean, obviously from you know the week before we knew he had gone to the hospital for chest pains and I was kind of hoping against hope that there wouldn't be any further news. But deep down when I saw the link, I knew it wasn't one of those hoaxes that, that seemed to be pervasive on the internet these days. And my heart immediately just sank. I, uh, yeah. When you, um, when you sent that to me, I instantly, now, course being with the podcast and everything i'm new to twitter so uh the twitter universe is is fairly new to me but i'm starting to to get the idea of what you're supposed to do and and when things are trending and the first thing i did was i went to twitter and the very first one that i saw when i refreshed my screen was mike akuda and he had put your link in and from there it just it just went like wildfire and it was probably i don't think i've seen anything like that um since at least robin williams uh, if not even more so with Leonard's passing. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, um, it seemed like it went from nobody knew to everybody knew inside of just a couple of minutes. It's, um, it's a bit amazing to me that, that that can happen. I mean, we obviously didn't have anything like that when DeForest Kelly died or when Jimmy Dewan died. Um, and we kind of had the beginnings of that when Majel died. But I think that, that this death in particular probably rocks the the fan base even more than any of the other ones previously, simply because Leonard was Spock and Spock is Star Trek. You you don't have the original series without Spock. Exactly. It's something that we touched upon the other day when we were talking about today's show is, is uh, I remember what it felt like when we heard the news about D and then when we heard the news about Jimmy, very, very different with this one. Um, much more personal, I think to me um, for someone that, you and I had the pleasure of meeting once uh, at a signing years ago, which we'll probably talk about later on, but never talked to the guy in my life. Uh, but just it just had that feeling of, of being a personal uh, moment. Um, and as you just said a minute ago, n- not to take anything away from anybody who's been on the show, D, Jimmy, or anyone, without Leonard Nimoy, in my opinion, there is no such show as Star Trek, even so much show as with Bill. Um, if it, Bill was cast by somebody else, the show could have still gone on and been what it is. Without Leonard Nimoy as Spock, the show doesn't do anything, in my opinion. What were some of the you know, original rumors? I think Adam West was rumored to be cast as Spock at one point before Nimoy got the gig. I, yeah, I don't know a lot show. about the, the cast of, of Spock. I remember that, um, oh gosh, what's his name, uh, was cast as Kirk originally. He was um, one of the... Uh, it's a famous family, and he was the father. Um, uh, Lloyd, Bridges, Bridges? Uh, Lloyd Bridges was was originally cast to be Kirk, and I remember hearing that. I don't recall off the top of my head right now um, what various rumors of who was originally cast to play Spock were, um, but I just am glad that whatever rumors they were were just rumors. I um, th- there is nobody else ever that could have played that role in the same way that could have created that Vulcan mythology the same way. You know, any other actor inhabits that role and we don't get half of what we know Vulcans to be. Um, so that's a testament to, to Leonard's ability as an artist and to his creativity, I think. Exactly. I mean, we've seen spectacular jobs by Zachary and he's going to carry that mantle very well. Todd on Star Trek Continues does a fantastic job, um, but they're, they're nothing without the original um, and everything that he poured into the character, that mythology, the history of the race, everything. Um, I attribute that all to his creativity. Uh, and it's, it's, um, it's a very sad day. 
you know, so back in, what was it 96 or 97? We actually, well, you referenced this just a couple of minutes ago. We went to a book signing at the Pheasant Lane Mall in Nashua, New Hampshire. And he was signing copies of I Am Spock. And you and I, I think, were about as giddy as little schoolboys. Yeah, was that also the time? He was with John Delancey at the time, too, wasn't he? Or was that a different um, signing? When he did uh, he did a reading of something that he and John collaborated on together, and they did the audio of. That was a different um, one. And that I, was for Alien Voices. Yes, that's, that's right. Um, and I do remember that I got the uh, audio CD of that. And both of them signed it. Um, I also know that the time when we met him, we had the fantastic uh, opportunity to have our picture taken with him. And God knows where that picture is. Both of us have been shooting ourselves in the foot for years because we don't know where it is. Uh, and that's that's too bad. Well, that was the kind of deal where they said, yeah, you can take your picture with him, but he's not standing up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we both just both went on either side of him and like somebody took the picture and it, it came out really good too, if I remember correctly. It really did. Uh, and he was as gracious as he always was with any of the fans. Um, and uh, it's one of those one of those special moments. I haven't gotten to meet a lot of the crew, original crew. I think he's the only one that I've actually met of the original crew. Really? Um, yeah, I know that you've gone to a lot of the conventions in Vegas and stuff and, and you've you've met a lot of the crew, but for original... I think he's the only one that I've actually uh, had the opportunity to meet and talk to. I had a, a storage unit offsite from my house that in a hurricane was flooded a couple of years ago and I lost almost all of my hardcover books. In fact, I'd say I probably lost 99.5% of them. The one book I did not lose was my autographed copy of I Am Spock. And you still have that now. I still have that now. And it was the only book that I was relieved that I still had because they're the ones I could replace. Right. Um, but when I saw that copy and I saw the autograph, my eyes welled up with tears a little bit. And I was like, oh, man, I can't believe it. Of all the books, you know, it was sandwiched in between a bunch of other ones and it was packed in there really tight. And it suffered just a little water damage on the edges of the pages. But other than that. It um it's actually in really good shape and I I couldn't be happier today that I still have it. That's um, good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I don't have any. Um, I I don't actually know what I did with that CD-ROM from Alien Voices with the autograph from him and John. Um, I'm gonna have to dig around see if I can find that. I have to tell you that one of the great thrills for me was probably Leonard's last Vegas convention appearance. Um, just a couple of years ago. Um. It was billed for a long time as his final appearance, and truth be told, he had one last one in Chicago about a month after that. And he came out onto the stage to a, a full house, and, and this house holds several thousand people. I mean, it's one of the largest convention halls in Vegas at the Rio. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he went through this slideshow of his life, you know, uh, before Star Trek, growing up in Boston and... Um, getting started as an actor, and then when he first went to Hollywood, and then obviously the during Star Trek time, and then um, his life after Star Trek, and some various career highlights. And he took up the better part of, I want to say an hour, maybe 45 minutes, um, just going through his life. And it wasn't the typical question and answer you know, uh, session that you get at a lot of the conventions. But he was essentially using it as his goodbye. You know, at, at the very end, he talked about how much all of us there meant to him. And he's doing it with a very broken voice and tears in his eyes. And 
he's crying. The room is crying. You know, there's not a dry eye in the house. And I think it was probably the longest standing ovation I've ever seen at a convention in my life. And I've been to a, you know, a lot of conventions. It is probably the, the single most memorable convention experience I have ever had and will ever have. Was he the only one on the stage at the time or were other members of the crew on? Yeah, it was just him. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's uh, it's it's amazing when you think about you know you hear a lot about people that are famous and 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 um, how they react to the public and how they're perceived by the public, and then you you have people like Leonard and other Star Trek actors that we've met, uh, Bob uh, uh, Robert O'Reilly. Uh, J.G. Hertzler, who are at Garrett, uh, who are so involved with the fans and what they like to see and hear, and it, it really, it, it really is special to see that they have that um, uh, closeness with the fans. And it's it's nice to hear that story from you about how he was in that last uh, quote unquote public appearance. I know he's done several things after that. Um, he, you know, he, how many times did he retire? And then he showed up on different things. He was on Fringe, and then he was on. Uh, he voiced uh, one of the Autobots in one of the Transformer movies. Uh, um, he just never wanted to quit uh, making his fans happy. He he really didn't, and he he kept doing it his entire life. I mean, even on Twitter in the last couple of years, you know, he pretty much adopted all of his fans as his his virtual grandchildren, and often right. signed off tweets as grandpa. Yep, I, I, I was doing some reading this weekend about it, and one of the things that I thought was was great and and uh, and something that I think is important, especially people who are fans know about it. He's the perfect example when somebody tells you not to start smoking at an early age. You don't want to get into the whole you should or shouldn't do this. People are going to make their own decision, but he's a great example of someone who did something that was wrong for so many years and stopped so long ago. And it still was the main cause, I think, for his passing this week. And he got to Twitter over the last couple of years and really hammered home, don't do it. And that's when he started adopting kids as being their grandpa. And uh, another perfect example of the generosity that he had. He, um, he strikes me, you know, as, as a true artist. I mean, there are actors, there are directors, there are producers, there are people who generate creative things. But, you know, when I think of people who are true artists, you know, as a whole, it's a really short list, especially in today's day and age. I think when Leonard was coming up as an actor, there were more of them. But, you know, he dabbled in a little bit of everything, you know, he between his his photography and his poetry. I mean, he published seven books on poetry. I didn't know that until very recently. Um, yeah, uh, another perfect. Another good example is photography. We've talked about this a lot. Yeah, that really was one of the things that he focused on in the later years. Something was a passion of his. Um, he's had several exhibits. Um, he's been very successful at it. Um, there's been some controversy in some of the stuff that he's done, but it doesn't take away from how fantastic it all has been. Um, and, and you're right. There are there are too few of those type of people left in the entertainment industry, and he was right there at the top in terms of that broad base of, of different things that he was uh, successful in doing. He was always out there on the edge, taking chances with his art. 
whether it was his acting or whether it was his directing or his photography, as, as you just mentioned, you know, he was always pushing his own boundary and his own comfort zone to challenge himself as an artist. And I, I don't think I truly realized that until recently. And I think that makes me love him and respect him even more than I did before, simply just for his being Spock. Exactly. I think that's one of the things uh, some people have, uh, some of the actors and actresses involved in, in Trek have said that sometimes the coattails can be uh, not a positive thing. Some have said it has been very positive. Some are stereotyped as a specific act actor, uh, specific character. I think he used that, um, those coattails to push himself further and to be more successful. Uh, and I don't, I don't know of anything off the top of my head that I've uh, known that he's done or have read recently that he's done that could be considered not successful. Pretty much everything that he did uh, was successful in one way, shape, or form. If you had to pick, this is just off the top of my head because we haven't planned out this episode at all. If you had to pick three to five episodes of Star Trek, the original series, that are... You know, that, that tells somebody everything they need to know about Spock. Which ones would you show somebody? Oh, that's a good question. Um, a mock time is probably going to be one that everybody is going to say. Um, it shows a broad range of acting skills from him. Um, a lot of history of the Spock character is in there. A lot of history about Vulcan mythology and Vulcan physiology of Vulcans is all in there. All that good thing, all that good stuff from, uh, from, from Bill. Um, that might be the first one I would think of off the top of my head. And you're going to, you're not going to believe I'm going to say this, but I have always loved Spock's brain. I've loved that episode. It is, it is so corny that it's fun. And he does a good job dealing with, Probably a script that when he read, he was like, are you effing kidding me? You're going to put a little cap on my head and I'm going to go around with some Scotty's going to have a little joystick and he's going to wander me around the room. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> it's not the worst episode of Star Trek. I'm sorry. It's just absolutely not. not. No, um, I Miri or cat's paw jump into that position for me. But, you know, we can talk about that another time. Um, I would put on that list this side of paradise. Yes. Um, only because I've, I've always loved that episode and it's a deep episode. Um, I mean, oh, I, I used to love it before for no other reason than Jill Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was good to see the, um, I, I always like, it's, it's funny. Everybody remembers Spock as this non-emotional, you know, battling the human side. The best episodes were always when he showed the emotion, when he was laughing in that episode in this side of paradise, when he's hanging from the tree and Kirk calls him and he goes, why didn't you show? I didn't want to Jim. Just those type of, of, of moments uh, during the show when he was being non Vulcan were usually the best moments. Um, another great example is um, uh, um, with being sick. I can't think of the title. I cannot even believe I can't think of it. When he goes back in time, Zarabeth, the Zarabeth oh, yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're both, we're both, because we're using Skype and we can see each other on the, on camera. We're both racking our brains and punching ourselves in the head right now, trying to think of the, of the uh, episode title and we'll get it. <laughs> Going with Marriott Hartley and Mr. Atos. Yes. And... yes. Yeah. I, um, th- that's a great episode. I journey to Babel 
is a favorite of mine simply just because you know Spock has to take command and then Spock has a decision to make. Um, to me, that's an important episode. Um, All our yesteryears, by the way. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Memory Alpha is a great site, folks. I know we've talked about it before. Bookmark it. It's very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you're in the middle of doing a podcast and can't come up with an episode title to save your life. That's right. Are there any others you put on that list? I mean, we could sit here for the whole hour and talk about the various episodes and just the the 79 originals that uh, had their moments for the character. Um, But those those are all definitely very good examples. His his Spock had this air of cool about him that I think other incarnations of Spock don't quite have. And that could be because it was in the 60s. But there's just a – it's the only word I can come up with is that, you know, Leonard Nimoy Spock was cool. You know what I mean? Agreed. Absolutely. Um, I was watching a tribute just uh, Friday night. Uh, I don't know if it was on CNN or E.T., um, it might have been it might have been entertainment tonight, and he was talking about um, how difficult it was for him when he was first cast as the character to not have emotion. He had a very hard time as an actor playing a role where he couldn't quote unquote act, and I think that was very very visible in episodes like where no man has gone before and and then the cage where he smiles a lot and he seems to be much more uh emotional when he's having that chess game with kirk at the very beginning of of where no man has gone before and he's he's kind of joking around with kirk i think it's those that's a great uh, hearing him say that in that interview and then thinking about those scenes in the first episodes yeah he really did have a difficult time but i'll tell you what he sure turned it around and made it to be the perfect definition of what the Spock character is all about. Well, it's funny in, in his 1977 autobiography, I am not Spock. Um, there's a passage I remember where he says in Spock, I finally found the best of both worlds to be widely accepted in public approval and yet be able to continue to play the insulated alien through the Vulcan character. And I think that's very telling not only about his portrayal, but about him himself you know, you can tell that it was something that he struggled with for a while, and I don't think he found that zone until probably into the third season and after Star Trek had been canceled. I've often wondered if the whole um, grasping with the character um, would have continued along the path that it kind of did with that first autobiography if it didn't pick up with the movies and really start uh, really the, the franchise really took off after that. Um, if it had just been the original three seasons and then it was in reruns and there was no, you know, pitch to have a movie. And then all the movies after that and all the series after that, I, I, I really wonder what his thought process on the character would have been like if it had been a little bit different. I'm not sure if that if I'm making sense with how I'm bringing it across, but uh, um, in my head, I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, I, no, I think you're probably onto something there. I um, I think that right now our our brains are just so scattered with um, you know, coming up with bits and pieces of things that we appreciate about Nimoy that we're still a bit in disbelief that he's gone. Um, I know I am. Um, have you watched anything this weekend 
as sort of in a therapeutic sense, Star Trek wise, or have you kind of stayed away from it? I've stayed away from it. Um, and I'll tell you why uh, I said earlier that, um, it had, it had real, it's really hit me more than I really thought that it would. Um, I'm going to read a tweet that I posted, uh, Friday night. Um, I, I copied, uh, folks like Todd who plays Spock in Star Trek continues, Michelle who plays Dr. McKenna. Friday night, I posted that I never realized that the passing of someone I never knew would make me weep as I have today. And that wasn't just saying something on Twitter to say it. I have. And I think back and I'm like, really? Never met the guy. Never knew the guy. Doesn't matter. He's part of something that you and I have taken a large amount of our life enjoying he is the definition of of the show, and I have cried over this. And as a result of it, I haven't watched anything because I just feel I wouldn't be able to at this point. Uh, I was talking to my mother-in-law uh, today, um, and on Saturday night we had a, a medical emergency with my father-in-law, and, and he's, he's doing well right now, but... I said, well, what were you doing when this all took place? And she goes, well, we were watching Star Trek. I mean, it just, and, and it just, it's just so, it's just so normal. Um, and I thought of me not being able to watch Star Trek this weekend as a result of Leonard's passing, but that so many people still watch it normally and it's a part of their normal life and, and it's a good thing in their life. Um, and it's not to say that it's not going to be a good thing in my life, but I have not been able to really watch anything. I know that there are a lot of stations doing tributes this weekend, uh, having all Spock episodes on Sci-Fi Channel and things like that. I just haven't been able to do it yet. Sort of like William Shatner stayed away from all social media for the first 24 hours. He couldn't do it. He couldn't look at it. And then I think about Shatner, who is you know, off, you know, honoring a commitment to the American Red Cross. Um, doing charity work, and he's not able to make the funeral, and he's taking an absolute beating from some people on social media. Um, I I feel bad for him. I really do, because this is you know somebody that's been like a brother to him for decades. I can't hold it's, it against him, because I think that Leonard would have done the same thing. It's amazing when you see some of the filth that's come out over the last couple of days in regards to that very topic. If he had flown to Los Angeles to be at the funeral, he would have been getting the same amount of crap from the other side. It's pitiful that people have to cause a problem in a situation like this. Um, That and we're not ones that we're ones that we've always decided that we're not really going to bring foul language into our podcasts. But I listen to these or I read these tweets and I read these stories about what he's dealing with. And then we read the stories about these scumbag shithead people that are going to picket the funeral because they can. I I don't know how to be more disgusted when I see things like this. Um, it 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 I I don't know what to say about it, and it's really too bad. And I got to say to to Bill. He did the right thing. He did the thing that Leonard would have wanted him to do. And anybody else who has a different opinion of that really needs to look inside themselves. Yeah, it's it's an unenviable situation for him to be in. Um, I, I can't imagine how he must feel. Um, 
I, I can't even imagine how I would feel if I were in that, in that boat. Um, he was online today, um, on Twitter, having a sort of, um, online remembrance and inviting people to share their memories. And he was answering questions from fans. And I thought it was, it was very nice. Um, I'm, I'm sure it was healing to him in some sense. Um, I, cause he's typically not that, um, I don't want to say open or candid, but I, I'm sure he let a little more out about his feelings on Twitter than probably he would have in an interview setting. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, I, I've, I've read a lot of his stuff over the last you know month or so, uh, as I become more familiar with the app and he's very much involved in it. Um, but even over the last two days, reading some of the things that he's posted since Friday versus some of the things that he's posted in the last several weeks, there is a very big difference in the tone and emotion involved in, in those messages. You know, he's hurting. I think we're all hurting. Um, Leonard Nimoy was part of the American family. You know, Spog was a pop culture icon for sure, but so was Leonard Nimoy. Instantly recognizable. You know, a voice that you knew as soon as you heard it. Um, and he's just one of those quantities that has been around our entire lives. He's mm-hmm. he's he's part of uh, of our society. He's part of you know our culture, um, creating such a, a uniquely American character. Speaking of which, let me ask you a question, Bill. I was thinking of this. I was trying to think of other examples, and I I really couldn't. And it could be just because of the magnitude of it happening right now. Can you think of another television character that has shaped American television more than that character, Spock? No. I, I can't. I can't do it. You know, I thought maybe Archie Bunker, uh, based at the time frame, Fonzie from Happy Days. I don't think any of them hold a candle to uh, to Leonard Nimoy's character. Um, not before or since, I, I think it's safe to say. I mean, you Agreed. They, they built an entire film around bringing that character back. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. I think because part of the reason, of course, was I think fans were so upset at the loss of him at the end of Star Trek II. Uh, I mean, sure, you had you had writing campaigns to to make a third season of the original series, but what was involved when when he when he died at the end of the second movie, and then what happened with the third movie? I mean, had, yeah. was it? Let me. It's a good question to ask because I'm not sure I know the answer. Was it always known? from the studio's perspective that Star Trek two, this was going to happen and Star Trek three, the entire movie is going to be about bringing them back because we know that people are just going to go crazy. I I don't know. Yeah. I remember sitting in the colonial theater in Laconia, New Hampshire, when I saw Star Trek two, the wrath of Khan the first time. And at the end of that movie, I was practically inconsolable. You know, there's, there's only two times I've cried at a Star Trek movie when Spock died. And when the enterprise was destroyed in Star Trek three, I would, I, I was, I was worse when the Enterprise went. To be honest, because I figured Spock would be back, right? Um, but I mean, I know that, I know that Leonard himself even cried when he saw that scene in a theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was. It's always. It's one of the most memorable scenes of any of the franchise's movies. Whenever anyone talks about the best of this and the best of that, Star Trek Two is always right there. But in scenes, that's got to be right up there at the top. 
my sister Donna might uh, argue because I know that she really just cannot even stand the fact that Data died at, at uh, uh, the end of Nemesis. But that's a, that's another story for another time. <laughs> Data dies? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Every once in a while, I'll just text her that. Just those two words. Data died, and that's it. I just, I just for the next fifteen minutes, I'm getting rah, 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 rah. <laughs> never saw the sun. <laughs> we have to laugh anyway. We have to. <laughs> I got, I got something I wanted to bring up. Um, remember uh, T.J. Hooker? Of course, Shatner was back on the sh- on TV, and what a show! I mean, I, it was. I mean, everybody was excited, but. It was it was being it was successful in its own way uh, for a couple of seasons anyway. How many seasons was that on for? I would four? say at least four. Four, yeah. But I remember I I'll, I don't remember the the year, but I do remember that it was a huge story that Leonard Nimoy was going to be reunited for I believe the first time with Bill Shatner in an upcoming episode of T.J. Hooker. Everybody was freaking out. Oh, this is going to be great, and this is going to be you know. Te- you know, top-rated television. I gotta say, <laughs> did not like it at all. <laughs> did not like it. Seeing seeing Leonard Nimoy emotional for one, and yelling, and this, that, and the other thing. You know, it just you know, oh, hooker, and he, I mean, just the the raspiness of his voice. It just didn't. It just didn't really do anything for me. So it was an episode that aired in 1983. So this would have been after Rathacon was released. Yep. 83. Wow. Season two of TJ Hooker. Um, He played a character uh, called Lieutenant Paul McGuire. His daughter was murdered, I think, or something, or raped. So close. Here's the the summary on IMDb. I'm going to use my best ABC 1970s TV announcer (laughs) voice. You ready for this? Okay. I'm ready. When the daughter of a cop who's an old friend of Hooker's is raped by someone, she knows. The guy is apprehended but manages to find a way to get released. Hooker sets out to try to get enough evidence against the man while his friend decides to break the law to get him. T.J. Hooker. Was it Heather Thomas that was in that one? Um, Or Heather Locklear? That was Heather Locklear. Heather Locklear, okay. Heather Thomas was in The Fall Guy. Yes. Okay. All right. I knew there was a Heather somewhere, but yeah, it was just, I mean, back then those type of, you know, the cop shows were very popular. I just remember I was not really happy with the episode. I didn't like the character, maybe because they were at odds with each other for most of the episode. Maybe that's what I didn't like about it. I don't know, but uh, it was not something that I was, that, that, that really stayed with me very much. It's um, I remember watching it live and, and sort of tuning out about 15 minutes into it. And I'm like, this, this isn't great. <laughs> and I was what? I was uh, probably 13 at the time. Yeah. 83. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And, and that's another thing that you think of. It's been 50 years. We've been talking about these guys working together. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really something. And, and you sent a picture to me yesterday. And through all of the discussions that we've had and all the instant messages that we've had since Friday, it was one of the ones that hit me hardest. It was a two-frame picture. One of them was Kirk, Spock, Scotty, and McCoy sitting at the briefing room table 
all of them except Spock, of course, smiling. Uh, and then the bottom picture was just Kirk by himself at the briefing tape room table. And it's like, wow, he's the only one left. Yeah. It's really kind of sobering, isn't it? Very, very sobering. You know, um, Nichelle Nichols has made a statement. Obviously, George Takei has made a statement. Um, Walter Koenig made a statement. Um, and and don't get me wrong. When I say that he's the only one left, I mean of the the of that the the big the, the big four. Right. Um, all of them are so important in the show. Um, but the big four uh, that the show's relationships were built around. Bill being the only one left is is very sobering, as you said. It really is. I um, it's it, I'm still kind of numbed by it all. Um, I know that you know in in time I'm I'm going to realize that wow that this this really did happen. I'm still kind of in shock. I think. Um, earlier I asked you if you'd watched any track, and I have not. Um, I almost can't bring myself to this weekend. Um, I have some friends who have, and I think that's great. You know, they've watched track with their kids. Um, you know, cause obviously their kids have had questions or I, I think it's, it's probably a, a good exercise in that regard. Um, I, I wanted to watch Star Trek too, but I'm concerned that I might, you know, ball like a, a little baby. Yep. Uh, and which is okay. Um, yeah. cause I'm sure there's a lot of people doing it. Um, I have enjoyed looking at the different tributes that have been coming from all over the globe. I think one of my most, uh, favorite ones was the one that came from NASA where one of the astronauts at the international space station took a picture of their hand in the Vulcan salute and out the window is Massachusetts from orbit. Yeah. I think that is one of the finest. Um, the other one, uh, our good friend, uh, Larry Nemesik posted, today i believe on twitter yeah. was a billboard somewhere in atlanta i think yes. it was it was a black and white image of spock uh with the vulcan salute and all it says on the billboard is he did and you don't have to explain it to anybody anybody and everybody knows exactly what that billboard means you know that salute and that you know standard vulcan greeting have become so much a part of the american vernacular that you're right every single person that saw it knows exactly what it means and they know what Leonard meant. Yep. Uh, it, it, and it's great how, you know, the stories of how he came to that salute are great. We'll, we'll post links on the uh, Trek geeks webpage uh, with those images of the, uh, of the tribute from space and the billboard that we're talking about uh, after the show today. But uh, um, I always enjoy listening to the story that Leonard would tell of how he came up with it. Um, and it's just another example of, of how he was able to change the course of American television history just by coming up with something like that on his own. I think that one of the best things to ever happen to Star Trek was Star Trek Phase 2 never happening. Yes, and and uh, he was going to be involved in that, wasn't he? But Or he was wa- they wanted him to, but he actually turned it down, if I remember correctly. Right, they'd um, and, hired another actor to play a different Vulcan named Zahn. Zahn, yep. But uh, but Spock wasn't initially going to be part of it because they figured they weren't going to get Nimoy. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Zahn in Star Trek The Motion Picture? 
He was. He was the commander. And he of didn't the, last uh, too long. No. <laughs> <laughs> Little pile of protoplasm there on the transporter pad. I saw that actor in something else recently, and I'm like, hey, it's on. I think it was an episode of The Blacklist or something. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, it was a good thing that the different versions of Trek didn't come out when they could have. And there was that break until we started seeing some of the new stuff that was not Kirk Spock, McCoy. It was, you know, Next Generation Deep Space Nine. I think that break was good. And I think that Star Trek Phase 2 would have had a good chance of preventing uh, the things that we've seen in our lifetime in a positive way with Star Trek have ever t- would have ever taken place. I, I think so, too. Um Wow, I just I'm still shaking my head, going, I can't believe it. Um, I just uh, there are times where I don't have words. Do you find yourself having that problem? Yeah, uh, I my daughter texted me uh, Friday afternoon. Um, she said I just heard that that uh, Leonard Nimoy died about an hour ago, and and I sent her back and a message and it took me like 10 minutes to send it. And it was like, actually it was several hours ago because I've been trying to deal with it for all afternoon. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, something's going to happen eventually. I mean, Leonard was ill. Uh, he was, you know, 83. Doesn't make it any easier, even if you prepare yourself for it. No. And we've seen it with a lot of, a, a lot of um, actors um, or or famous people. Uh, perfect example, uh, I believe the gentleman's name, Stuart Scott from ESPN. Yes. Uh, fantastic uh, career at ESPN. They made a video tribute slash um, memorial video for him several months before he died, and they just waited to play it until after it happened. I can't imagine doing something like that. No, I mean. I mean, it makes it, it, it's got to be extremely difficult to do something like that. Talk about somebody that you know and work with and respect in a past tense. It's got to be difficult, but it doesn't, it, it's hard to put into words what I'm trying to say, but even not having to do something like that, knowing it's going to happen, it, it, it doesn't, you're not prepared. You know, I can only imagine how difficult it was for Leonard and his family Um, My mom is roughly the same age that Leonard was, and my mom also has COPD, Um, the condition that Leonard had, um, which um, he was on oxygen the last several years as a result. And I know the difficulties my mom has right now um, in dealing with that every single day. And I, it it breaks my heart that that's what his last couple of years were like. Um, I, challenging i'm sure that he felt it many times like his body was defying him on some level um, i'm sure that's how my mom feels some days um i can't imagine the level of of pain and frustration um uh, i'm sure that you know it, it it's i almost hate saying this but i'm i'm pleased he's not suffering anymore i'm pleased that there's no more challenge or or labor, or just the struggle to breathe. Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. Um, but you know, in knowing what I know from my mom's condition, I I have nothing but sympathy and empathy for him, for his family. Um, and I think it, it just breaks my heart that much more that somebody who 
who defines the sixties and star Trek, um, and our childhoods. So, you know, robustly and so mm-hmm. powerfully yeah. that at the end was, was, you know, having to deal with those challenges. And that's not how I'll remember him. To me, he will always be, you know, Spock on, on the bridge of the enterprise, or he'll always be the humanitarian and the artist and the actor. But I did have those, those thoughts occurred to me and yep. it, it did make me quite sad. I think that's probably what made me more sad than anything. I sometimes sit and wonder what it must be like for uh, for members of his family, uh, for Susan Bay, his wife, uh, and his kids, his stepkids, his grandchildren. It's got to be so difficult to have someone pass anyway, but to have someone who was famous, I wonder if it is a positive or a negative that he has got countless millions of people supporting him, supporting his family, showing them how much he meant to us. It's got to be very difficult to not have that privacy, but at the same time, it's also got to be very warming to the, to the uh, family of Leonard. I have to believe that's true. Um, I know that, you know, in lieu of flowers, they have, you know, put out various charities and links that people, could donate to if they so chose. Um, we've tweeted that out and also put it on the Trek Geeks Facebook page. Um, the Trek Geeks website has been dark all weekend out of respect for Leonard Nimoy. Um, it'll be back up, I'm sure, sometime next week. But um, we just we thought it was the right thing to do to 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 put up an in memoriam graphic to to honor him and uh, because we don't we don't have any of this without any of you know the, the things that Leonard in the original series cast did. Um, yeah, there's, there's right. No we don't have track. we don't have any of it. I mean, the last, uh, you know, we're some of us are older than others. I mean, but we've spent thirty plus years of our life dealing with this show every single day and talking about it and and thinking about it and what happens if those people are not involved back in the sixties? Yeah, nothing. It's it's not it's not part of our life the way it is. I talk to I talk to people who are not fans of the show, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all. Um, but I have friends at work, and and we we joke about it. And I'll I'll bring up a topic that to you and I is as common as breathing, and people look at you with this. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And it's it's so weird to think of, but. Think if if it wasn't for Leonard, if it wasn't for Bill and Dee and and Jimmy and everybody else, we don't talk about it either because it doesn't happen. It's, and like we talked about earlier, especially without Leonard. Without Leonard, it never takes off ever, in my opinion. Well, and there's also the added effect of you know Leonard, you know, through Spock, made science cool. He made exactly. being yep. nerdy cool. He yep. made you know being the smartest person in the room cool. And I think that there's a lot to that because, I mean, we've seen a you know, sort of a renaissance of geek culture in the last few years. Um, you know, geeks used to be, you know, mocked and, you know, made fun of. And, mm-hmm. and these days, that's Now it's the, the number one television show on CBS. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, <laughs> hell, we've turned it into a podcast. exactly i mean anything's possible (laughs) you know and i I think that spock in particular 
is it ground zero of uh, of that big bang you know to employ that theory yep you know, none uh, of totally this happens with without the advent of of leonard Nimoy as mr spock he has single-handedly changed history and we can talk about how that happened on several episodes possibly but for real he changed the course of history with his portrayal of this character and i am forever grateful and i am going to miss the warmth that he brought to everything that he did yeah as will i you know d kelly's character in wrath of khan at the very end you know has that very poignant line that is true at times like these and He's he's really not dead, as long as we remember. As long as we remember him, and yep. we will forever. Um, Absolutely, one of the uh, other very moving uh, pictures that I've seen over the last couple of days is the picture of his chair at the science station on the Enterprise in Star yeah. Trek Two, empty. That one is one to save to your hard drive, folks, and and keep it there and and put a date on it, something, because it is a very moving and telling picture about how I think all of us feel right now. You know, that's exactly it. At that point in the movie, when Kirk turns around and, and sees that the chair is empty, you see it wash over him like, oh no. And that's exactly how I felt the first time I saw somebody post that to social media. I saw that chair and my heart sank even just a little more going, wow, this is real. That's when it really was driven home to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've seen you said it earlier, unfortunately because of being an instant media uh, uh generation now. You got to wonder when you hear these stories come out, okay, is this real is this fake? We just kind of had that feeling when you sent me that text message Friday and when you saw it and then when we went to Twitter, it wasn't fake and it uh it it made it it made it for a very very hard day and a very hard weekend. It really did. Um, needless to say, our, our heartfelt sympathies go to his family, his wife, Susan, his, his children, his stepchildren, um, his grandchildren. Um, and also to all of you, I mean, this is a communal effort. We are all grieving, um, this loss, you know, we all are feeling it. And, um, and, uh, we'd like to invite everybody to, you know, post their feelings in the comments on the Trek Geeks Facebook page or, on the Trek Geeks website. Um, please feel free to email us if you have stories you'd like to share, um, you know, or if you want to leave us a comment. Um, Dan, why don't you run down the ways in which people can um, spam us if they feel so inclined. I um, <laughs> I know that I'm thinking and nothing's coming. Uh, obviously on Facebook, there's facebook.com slash Trek Geeks. Um, you can hit us at Trek Geeks on Twitter. Um, my personal Twitter handle is at Trek Geek Bill. Um, that's a very nice, uh, handle by the way. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> um, I have not actually done a, uh, Twitter account of your, oh, you have Bill of Trek Geeks is one of your, isn't it Bill of Trek Geeks that you have as Twitter as well? No, that, that's the one I have, Trek Geek Bill. Trek Geek Bill, that's it. I got to do one for that. I still have my normal DCDDS9 uh, Twitter feed, but I do also, uh, you can also reach me at uh, dan at trekgeeks.com. Um, Skype, we are available at Trek Geeks. If you ever want to, I'll tell you what, we haven't talked about this very much. If anybody wants to talk to us 
on Skype about any of the things that we talk to. We're all up for it, man. I mean, we want to hear from the audience. We want to hear from the listeners. Um, we know that we've had some uh, great responses to our podcast so far, and we want to hear literally from you guys also. Um, email's great. Twitter's great. Um, all those types of media are great. But, hey, we'll we'll talk to you on Skype. So uh, uh, Skype us up at Trek Geeks as well. Um, and we'll uh, we'll get back to you if we're not available right then. But uh, this, like Bill said a few minutes ago, this is a communal effort. Uh, we want to hear from you guys and girls. So uh, so give us a jingle. And you can also actually leave us a voicemail if you want. Um, we have a number set up. Um, you can call from you know your cell phone or your landline, and it'll um, it'll leave us a voicemail. Um, please know if you leave us a voicemail, you know we may wind up using it at a future podcast. But uh, that number is five zero eight. Seven eight four one seven zero one. We thought the last four digits were particularly uh, fitting. Kind of, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, keep the information coming. Also, what you, we can do is, uh, if you want to post or or leave voicemail of your own personal uh, message for Leonard or his family, we'll be happy to post them in a, in a future podcast. Also put them up on the website or, or anything like that. We want everybody to be involved. We know that this is something that has touched every one of us very personally. Um, and we want to do our part to help everyone deal with it uh, as best we can. That's your Dan. Anything you'd like to add in a, in conclusion with your thoughts on Leonard Nimoy? No, uh, I think we've covered uh, the gambit. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard one. It's a tough pill to swallow. It's going to take a while. Um, I am going to, at some point in the very near future, throw in one of those episodes that deal with Spock and just, and just enjoy it. Uh, like I said, I saw a couple of tributes on Friday night and they would show a couple of, you know, quick snippets of, of original series episodes. Very hard to watch. Um, but soon I will, I will take the time to watch something and remember as, uh, as he said when he uh, pressed his fingertips up to McCoy's face at the end of the second movie. Well, you know, he was uh, obviously a, an actor, director, producer, poet, photographer, father, grandfather, and none of that in any order. Um, he was ours for a short time, but, but now he belongs to eternity. And we will miss him every day. Um, we're thankful for the contributions he's made to Star Trek and to our lives. And um, we hope that in some small way, this this tiny little podcast has honored him and his memory in a way that that he would approve of. Um, so with that, we thank you all for listening to this um, memorial edition of the Trek Geeks podcast. And we'll return soon with a regular episode. Thanks very much, everyone. Take care, all. Space. The final frontier. These are the continuing voyages of the starship Enterprise. Your ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before.